It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we keep rolling along here. On the Marathon Show, we're entering the final third of the broadcast, last four hours on tap here from the WBCA NABC studios. Hope you are enjoying the show, and thank you for tuning in, including those who are on YouTube who experience the ups and downs as we uh, start and restart our stream just to kind of keep everything moving. We're back up streaming again on um, Hoopsville's, or on, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, on uh, the Facebook page, so we appreciate everybody who's getting a chance to join in there. We will share that stream as well, but of course we're online here on YouTube. All right, let's talk men's basketball now, and a team that is uh, re-emerged in the conversation, as it were, in the Mac Freedom especially, is Wilkes. I feel like it's been a little while since we've talked about uh, the Wilkes basketball, men's basketball team uh, here on Hoopsville. Uh, 12-13 and 13 last year, 14-13. and 13. They kind of hovered around 500 or just below for a number of years. But Izzy Metz has a good, pretty good squad on his hands now. 15 and 5, 8 and 1 in conference play. They've only lost one game in the 2018 campaign, or side of the campaign, and they got Manhattan into sales ahead starting on Saturday, both on the road. So joining us, City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. It is the head coach of Wilkes and joins us now, Izzy Metz. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me. I think it's uh, six years Ooh. Super Bowl Sunday, the last time I was on the show. Oh, man, you didn't have to do it that way. Uh, <laughs> that, that hurts. Uh, if, I was, if, I'm a, if I'm correct, then, I think the last time we had you on the show, you were, uh, you were uh, at Hobart? I was at Hobart. Okay. Yeah, I was at Hobart for yep. sure. So, you know, it's great to be back with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know this was an interesting uh, hiring when you got hired to the job uh, back in 2014. I think a lot of people... Looked at it and thought maybe, you know, a former grad in Virginia Wesleyan might get the job. Uh, I know he wasn't interested, but you you certainly seem to relish the opportunity uh, to take this job um, and get back into Division Three to some degree. Am I correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, so uh, my journey was from Hobart to Boston College to work for my mentor, Steve Donahue, now the University of Pennsylvania head coach. And uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, that didn't end great uh, at BC. But it, what it did was it provided a great opportunity to come to Wilkes and get back into Division Three, which is what I have a true passion for. Um, you know, as a, as a coach, and so uh, this opportunity when it presented itself, and I, I came on campus for an interview. I I knew about the school, I knew about the program, 
and the great history, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Coach Jerry Rickroad had some unbelievable teams in this region, and they were playing at a tremendous level on the national level. So it piqued my interest. And when I came on campus, I fell in love with the place. Uh, and then the vision of uh, our, our current president, Pat Leahy, uh, for what the future of the school was going to be. And, and, of course, the present, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those situations where I knew that could, that could be home. You talk about, uh, by the way, yeah, now a Pennsylvanian. He's got a former uh, Division Three assistant on, under him as a Division Three as, as a, one of his assistants. So nice. The Ivy League has a lot of uh, D3 ties. Um, you took this program over, what was it, 2014? Um, and guys went 13 and 12. I mean, you've been consistently at 500 since you took over after a little bit of a tougher run there for a while with Wilkes. But now we're at 15 and 5, 8 and 1 in conference. Uh, you have a win over Scranton this year, which now looks better considering how much Scranton has rebounded. Um, tough loss to Messiah, tough loss to Albright, who's had a good season. Tough loss, excuse me, tough loss to Hiram, but a win over FDU Florham in conference. Went over Delaware Valley, which was the darling of the conference last year. And now you're on a five-game winning streak and won uh, nine of your last ten. What is it about this season that finally broke through, as it were, versus the other three or so that you've been there for? Well, you know, Dave, I, I think, you know, in a nutshell, I think we've gotten older, um, which for so many programs I think is, is huge. And, and we've gotten older with quality people and quality players. So last year we were in a lot of, a lot of tight games, a lot of close games that we lost. Uh, in conference by a couple points and you know you could see we were right there we just couldn't make a player get a stop at the end of the game to, to kind of get over the hump and I think you fast forward to this year and you know those same guys are back uh, with that experience a lot more confident and I, I think they enjoy playing with each other they play for one another I know that's cliche but I, I feel at our level you know in division three that that's a huge component to success and um, guys just enjoy coming in the gym every day to practice, working with one another. And, you know, they relish that opportunity to put the uniform on and, and play the game. And we've been in a lot of close games this year, and we've been fortunate so far to, to break through in those games. And we know, you know, there's going to be a stretch of games here coming up that are going to be tough, uh, you know, conference games. But I think our guys, you know, like I said, enjoy playing with each other and are confident down the stretch. And so hopefully we can continue that. Uh, yeah, three of the next five will be on the road. Um, you're at Manhattanville and DeSales <clears throat> at home against Misericordia, which is um, around the corner practically from you guys. At Kings, okay, that's practically around the corner. Um, and then home against Eastern. So you do have a little bit of a, of a haul, especially down to DeSales uh, coming up uh, midweek next week. You're in this conference battle, which is kind of fascinating. You're leading the league right now at eight and one. DeSales is a game behind you. Misericordia and Eastern are tied at two games back at six and three, with Kings lurking at five and four. And this conference has shown over the last few years to be really topsy turvy, especially late in the season. So, challenging question for you. How do you keep this one game lead and have it stand up to be make sure everybody's got to come through uh, the March Center uh, when it comes to tournament time? Yeah, and you know, we talk about that all the time with, with our staff. And You know, our team has adopted a, uh, just a win-the-next-game mentality. I mean, we approach it that way. It's human nature to look down the road at potential big games that could come up on your schedule. But our guys, are, you know, look at the short term, and we try to set short-term goals for them. So, you know, as far as our team is concerned, all the focus is on a big game down in Manhattanville on Saturday. Uh, you know, well-coached team and, and a tough team to play at their place. And so 
we you know we know we have to get off the bus ready to go and then you know you approach the next game after that so as far as playoff implications and hosting and those type of things we don't talk about that quite frankly because it's just like you said it's a league that uh there's been some parity the last few years uh we know the quality of opponents that are in our conferences we have excellent coaches and uh it's just a matter of taking a one game at a time as cliche as that might be but uh, I think that hopefully will serve us well and just kind of keep us grounded. Keeping grounded, that's easier said than done sometimes, uh, I admit, I realize. Uh, when we look at your roster, you've got a team, you say, getting older. Um, you've got a, a fair number of so- of seniors, a, a good chunk of juniors, but you also still have some depth with a lot of sophomores and freshmen. And if anything, they're learning from this experience uh, they're learning about the winning ways. If anything, this is helping turn the program back to maybe a program we've been used to in the old days, for those of us who've been around, who is always competitive in, in the region. You've got four guys in double figures, a fifth who's nearly there. You're scoring 76 points a game. You've got to be feel good with, with not only the fact that you've gotten older, but that the under, underclassmen are learning to do this too. Absolutely. And, and Dave, as you know, uh, good programs have that continuity throughout the classes. So, I mean, uh, a freshman and a sophomore, they're learning the ropes from a junior and a senior from a cultural perspective and a way we go about our business every day in practice. How do, how do we approach game day? And that takes time, uh, quite frankly. And so, like I mentioned last year, uh, we were competitive because I thought we had talented players, but there were some youth there and, you know, the leadership was still developing. And I feel now, while we don't have one designated leader, there's a number of guys in that locker room that aren't afraid to speak up and uh, voice their opinion and, and move the group along. And so um, that, that's, that was the plan. I mean, I think uh, when, you're, when you're building a program at a great school like Wilkes, there's no quick fix in terms of how you want to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, try to recruit quality people year in, year out, and, and they grow with each other. And then the results hopefully start uh, speaking for themselves. And so we do have we have good players in each class. And, and what we've seen uh, five five I think or six of the last seven games is we've had multiple guys you know five six guys in double figures each game. And I'm hoping that's making us you know harder to guard that you can't key on one guy that we have a, a few guys that can hurt you and go get fifteen twenty and. But I'm more impressed, honestly, Dave, that we've been defending much better this season. I think our offensive numbers are pretty good, but uh, our defensive numbers are much improved over last year. And um, yeah, I think that's the thing you know we want to hang our hat on as we as we get deeper in the season. And talking to uh, the head coach of Wilkes men's basketball, it is is he Metz as the team is 15 and five, eight and one. You're led by uh, Rob, as it Percaroli. Pecorelli. Pecorelli. I tried to overthink it. Uh, Pecorelli is your leading scorer on the team. Um, well, uh, there he is. Sophomore, to talk about that youth, 14.5 points a game, five rebounds a game, nearly three assists a game. Uh, second on the team in steals as well. Um, second on the team is Marcus Robinson, and he's the junior. So you talk about getting older, and you've got one, two, four seniors on this squad. Right away, we just talked about a junior and a sophomore. That's yeah. that's uh, got to give you confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned two guys in Rob and Marcus that are uh, you know guards for us and, and just hard workers. I mean, they bring it every day in practice. 
Uh, they lead by example. Um, I'll start with Marcus first because he's a junior and he just eclipsed the uh, thousand point plateau uh, about uh, ten days ago uh, against Kings. And you know to do that in his junior year is quite an accomplishment. But I mean, Marcus for for all the scoring is. Uh, one of the best defensive players in our conference. And, you know, he brings it every day in practice, and he's a pleasure to coach. You know, Rob is a guy that's emerged this year as a sophomore. As a freshman, um, he got about 12, 14 minutes a game. Uh, you know, he hit some threes. He, he showed he had a good feel for the game. I knew he was going to be a good player uh, when we recruited him. Uh, and it just took, you know, through his freshman year to gain some confidence. And then he came back a lot stronger and uh, played a lot of basketball over the summer. And just, you know, has done a great job of, uh, you know, establishing himself within our concepts to, to be one of the better players, in my opinion, in, in our conference. And so I'm, I'm happy for him because he puts the work in. Mark Mullins, an underclassman at 12 points a game. You got Evan Connors, who's only played in half the season uh, at 10.9. Is that, has he been missing of late or has he missed more at the beginning of the season? So Connor just got back right before Christmas. Connor okay. uh, was playing as well as anybody in our program the first two weeks of practice, and uh, unfortunately uh, tore his meniscus. Oof. So he he had surgery, and he really rehabbed the heck out of it to get back. I mean that's the kind of kind of player kind of person he is. He's a, he's a tough minded guy and a hard worker. Loves basketball, and you know got himself back probably two three weeks ahead of schedule. Um, and, you know, we got him back full-time down in Florida at the Land of Magic Classic just to get his legs under him and then, you know, ready for conference play. So he's uh, been rounding back into form. He had a really good sophomore year, and uh, he's a key component to what we do as well. Mark Mullins is, a, is another sophomore. He's a 6'4", 6'5", kind of hybrid type of player. Uh, you know, we, we play him at a stretch four. But, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's a, he's a guard and really can rebound. He plays bigger than his size. Um, you know, he had three dunks and, and a huge win for us at Misericordia. And a couple of those were really impressive. Uh, but, you know, he does so much for us. He plays good defense, um, and he's just a great teammate. So, you know, uh, we, we can go on and on and talk about, you know, these different guys. But they bring versatility, and, uh, you know, I'm excited because – they're going to be in our program for a couple more years. Yeah, well, that's the thing is your top four scorers are all in the program for a couple more years. We finally get to a senior in um, Brunner um, who's outside the double figures category, but certainly still contributing. And that's what's scary about this Wilkes squad. You're playing well now. They're going to be around for a little bit more time. But with this conference race, you've still got a lot more work ahead of you, and I know you want to make sure that you wrap the regular season up as best as possible. I've asked this of a lot of coaches, and I realize – yeah, it's not the greatest of questions necessarily, but what are you telling the team as you move forward, and what is the message? I think the message is, you know, and what we tell our team is, let's let's just have a, a great practice. Uh, whenever the next practice is in preparation for our game, uh, you know, let's just keep getting better. And it might be get one two percent better today, but let's get better and, and get ready for the next game. Um, and we just want to be playing our best basketball. Uh, at, at this point in the year right here where it's the stretch run, you know, hopefully we're healthy. We're, our, our legs are as rested as they can be. I mean, guys are, you know, all different programs are, uh, you know, tired and, you know, kids are getting sick and they're banged up and, and we know that. But if we can, if we can get into a game where we feel pretty good physically and mentally and we're, and we're playing at a high level, that's obviously going to give us the best chance to win. So, we try to keep it light. I mean, you know, we're a program. We, we play music in practice. We, 
you know, we're, we're tapering the, the number of minutes in practice down to, you know, being mindful that we want to keep guys fresh and ready to go. But, uh, we, you know, the best part is these guys are fun to be around. They, um, they don't take themselves too seriously. They don't care who gets the credit. They just want to win. Uh, and when you have a group like that, it's special. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this now at the college level for 17 years. And so I've been around good teams and teams that have struggled. And, and the better teams that I've been around are the ones that they don't care what it looks like. They don't care who gets the credit. Uh, and, and they enjoy seeing their teammates have success. And, um, that's, you know, that's the refreshing part of our group. I think, I think we show those signals right there. So, you know, it's just next practice, next game, and let's just keep uh, moving this thing along. Well, congratulations on what is so far a great season and, and, and what is a crazy Mac Freedom. I think every year we could pick a different winner. Uh, and we don't even know who the winner is going to be, to be honest. Uh, it feels like it changes every year. Uh, congratulations on a great season so far. Looking forward to seeing what the last five games gives you guys, plus the conference tournament. Good luck. Maybe we'll see you dancing in March. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, no, I mean, Dave, and I think I'm probably consistent with other uh, callers, but uh, I appreciate everything you do for Division Three basketball. I mean, you give us a platform on a national level, a national stage, to uh, show our product and to show all the great work that student-athletes are doing on and off the court. And um, At a place like Wilkes in, in northeastern Pennsylvania, I mean, we have a great institution, and you know, it's 2,200 students, a small research university, uh, with great majors, so for our guys to have that platform on a national stage is is unbelievable, and you know, very appreciative. And we just want to keep uh, keep moving this thing along, and you know, gearing up for a, a big finish to the season. But uh, we appreciate all the work that you do for Division Three basketball. Well, thanks, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Thanks for coming on to make the work possible, as they say. Good luck. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Absolutely. Izzy Metz joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. I think I had the. I have their one of their older logos. I think I got a real old logo there. We'll have to double check. But uh, congratulations to that program. Looking forward to seeing what happens down the road. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will uh, head to the western side of Pennsylvania. Penn State Barron will join us. Dave Nyland will talk about his Nittany Lions and about how well they're playing in their conference and what might be next for them. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. 
This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game when he shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we keep uh, going along here, nearly ready to close out hour number seven. I think it's seven. Basically, we're coming up to when we normally would start a Thursday night show, and we, we're still only halfway through uh, version number five of six total episodes tonight. <laughs> That's how things are going. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where you uh, successfully simulcast the entire show so far in, in, in breakups. Two uh, segments so far, the third one on air now, and I see some people interacting. We appreciate that. All right, so Penn State Baron Lions. Uh, Dave Nyland's got a program that is 17-3 uh, and three this season, 12-1 and one in conference. Not that that's a surprise. His team has won 20-plus games since twenty every year since 2013. Uh, and almost every year since 2010, with a, with a lone exception of 2012 at 16 and 12. Really, you could say every year I've got on my paper in front of me, except for two, they win games, and they certainly are at the top of the AMCC conversation every year. This year, they're tied with LaRoche at the top of that uh, boat, as it were, and joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach for Penn State uh, uh, Baron. There we go. Dave Nyland, and I got to change his picture while we're talking. I forgot to do that. But, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, sure. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so, I guess really no surprise. You're 17-3, and 12-1. We've been down this road before. Um, a loss to Mount Union, a loss to Eastern Connecticut, though it was close. We had uh, Bill Geithner on the show earlier. Uh, and a loss to LaRoche, though that wasn't close. How would you grade your season so far? Um. We've had a terrific year, and uh, it's been uh, it got a lot different after Game 14 for us. Um, we've kind of had a retool. We lost our point guard, uh, who was a rookie of the year in our league, first team all conference last year, uh, kind of our heartbeat, and uh, we lost him uh, up at Hilbert, uh, and so we, we don't have him back. We may get him back for the conference tournament. So mm-hmm. given that, you had, we had to retool. So it's almost been. At the halfway, a little more than the halfway point, we kind of had to retool a little bit, and we're we're in that process now, Dave. Um, not the best of reasons to do that, but sometimes that ends up giving you a a ton of depth in other ways, especially down the road. Uh, you've got Pitt Greensburg on the road coming up. You've got the rematch with LaRoche, and then Pitt Bradford on the road, then Hilbert at home, then on the road against Penn State Altoona. In other words, you're alternating road and home games here coming up. 
Right. Is this something you guys can can get over? Can you guys solve the equation, as it were? I don't know. You know, we're we had a really good win last night against a good Madai team here. I think that'll give us some confidence as we're going through this process and trying to you know figure out a little bit how to play now a little bit without without Andy. So. You know, uh, we we did not look good down at LaRoche. Uh, we did not have him, and they really took it to us. And it and, and it, maybe that helped us, I guess, in some ways to get the thing figured out. Um, but you know, things happen during the season. We went through this last year where we lost two guys to season-ending injuries, and we kind of we just didn't have as much depth last year. And we 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 kind of we did okay, but we we didn't have much left in the, the conference tournament. And, and, and kind of got it back a little bit in the ECAC. But we have much more depth this year. Uh, our junior class has played pretty much since they've been on campus their freshman year. So uh, that, that's been helpful. That's definitely helpful. And there's that depth again. And again, you guys have the, a, a basically a mentality that this is what you do. You, you go and win games, and you have a, a certain expectation. And when you keep rolling players, in, or I should say, uh, um, new players into the system, they learn to adapt to this. So while injuries might be there, you got guys who are prepared and ready to go. Well, you know, every day is an opportunity uh, in practice for, for every player. And I did not expect to play many freshmen this year, to be honest okay. with you. We, and and we're, we're playing three or four. And it's been great. You know, it's made our practices much more competitive last year when we were down to, you know, at this point in the year last year, we were down to really – nine healthy bodies this year we have much more depth so that's helped and you know we have a great senior in Connor McLaughlin that has not played as much as he normally does but he's been an unbelievable leader Dan Wanker Mike Fisher uh, Justin Gorney uh, Malik Brinson are all juniors that have played a ton uh, we have Matt Colpoise who is out this whole year he started since day one on his campus and he's just been a great help as far as just kind of being a, a guy keeping the clock and a manager but those little things matter and um, and so it's helped our freshmen so you guys always have these you know huge record seasons and sometimes it doesn't end up materializing further than that. Is that a frustration for you guys? Do do you struggle with the fact that you can't maybe prove the record to for lack of a better description or are you pleased with what you guys put together every season? Um I you know you play who you play, you know yeah. our league's our league and I think our league is is has been, you know, it's very difficult. We're in a huge region. Uh, I've been here a long time. I was yeah. here when we were pool B. Yeah. You know, we've been through it all. We've been to seven or eight NCAA tournaments. We've won games in the tournament. Got to the Elite 8. So I mean, I I understand I think the process of it um but really our league's a one bid league. You have to win that last set, so, you know, Saturday or Sunday. Some years you're there, some years you're not, and a lot of things can happen. We just try to play and just be the best we can be and not really worry too much about that. Um, our non-conference schedule is what it can be, given travel, given time restraints. So hopefully this new da- these new dates will help. But, you know, we went to Mount Union this year. We played them on the second night of a back-to-back. We played Teal the night before that, and uh, we played Eastern Connecticut down in Florida, played Eastern and Carnegie Mellon. We try to, you know, we play people. It's just you only have seven non-conference games. So, I mean, it's not like you're – you know, we do, and we've always played as many people as we can play, given you know travel and things like that. Um, even if, and I understand the system of all that. When you're asking, kind of, the, there, there's no frustration there. It, it's not going to move the needle when yeah. you're sometimes in that. It's just not. And yeah. other teams in our league have tried to do that. I get it. I've been on that committee, been on the national call. Um, I understand it, and I understand when they retooled the regions, 
how this was going to shake out. Yeah. There was just certain leagues that were never going to go home game, home game in the NCAA tournament. So we don't worry about that, Dave. We just play. By the way, I totally neglected to realize that you, when you're talking about your point guard going down, and finally put two and two together, maybe because we've been on the air since 10 a.m. We're talking about your son, <laughs> Andy um, Nyland, who, who took the hit. But you, I look at this roster, and I see a lot of depth in underclassmen. I mean, because you only have one senior on this squad, at least listed. Um, and Dan Wanker leading the way as a junior, 13 points a game. Justin Gorney, a junior, 13 points a game. Uh, Andy Nyland, granted, has missed games now, but still he was scoring 11 points a game while handing out three assists a game on top of all that, stealing a couple balls a game. Uh, Mike Fisher, junior, 10 points a game. Malik Brinson, junior, seven points a game. This feels like next year could be an explosion because you got all this talent coming back. But you also have all these underclassmen learning from these guys, too, to help it go along. What's making this team click this season? Uh, I, I think, the, you know, I think experience being through some tough times last year and then certainly the, our practices are much better uh, this year because we have depth and it's competitive. Uh, again, when you when you're injured and banged up in practice and you're you're not able to go at it every day um, at this time of the year, I think uh, it it can be a factor. Right now, we we've just got a lot more healthy bodies and you know practices are you know we're getting after these competitive and guys have to earn every minute. You're earning every minute that's 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 not a bad thing to have as a head coach when <laughs> guys are fighting for playing time or maybe even giving you the stink eye on the bench going, Coach, you know you want me in there. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a pretty good situation to have. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think the players enjoy it, too. They feel like, hey, you're coming to the gym, you got a chance to show what you're going to do in practice. Uh, looking ahead, again, you got at Pitt-Greensburg, then at home against LaRoche. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Easy for me to say. Uh, on the road against Pitt-Bradford, at home against Hilbert, on the road against Penn State-Altoona. Um, you've got the one-game lead, and I know the obvious answer to this is you've got to win and stay and keep winning to, to keep control of things. But what's what's the more intricate answer to that to make sure that things come through the Junker Center for this AMCC tournament and that you give your best chance as possible to get into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, um, I, you know, I just think you, you – I'm sure every coach has said this. You just worry about what's in front of you that next day, and we yeah. have a, a really big game down in, on Pittsburgh on Saturday. And right now, LaRoche is really ahead of us. They beat us. They own that tiebreaker or whatever. I actually think there's some other teams that will be in the mix. LaRoche is really good. Hermie does a great job. There's some, they have two or three guys – that are really high-level Division three, Division two type guys on this side of the state that can really play. Uh, right now, uh, they're they're on top, and and we're we're tra- we're chasing chasing them. But there's other teams in our league. Madai's really talented. Penn State Altoona's really good. Hilbert's really good. Uh, Greensburg, uh, Brody uh, has done a great job with that group. There's just we have some new coaches in our league, so I don't. I think it's going to go to the last weekend. I hope we're there to host, but don't know, Dave. You yeah, know, uh, there's a lot of good teams. <laughs> yeah, I get it, and we're, and no matter what, you're still gonna have to win in the tournament, right? Uh, it so you, you're still yeah, gonna have no, a challenge yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, you know, in our league, given it, you know, given the situation, you know, with the size of our league, the number of league games, and all that other stuff. Yeah, you know, whoever you got to win that last day. Yeah, exactly. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Really do. Uh, fascinating as always to see how consistent you guys are as a program. Looking forward to seeing how this progresses. But to be honest with you, not that, that I know you're not looking ahead, but I'm already no. looking ahead to next season. I'm really <laughs> fascinated to see how you guys end up putting things together next year. In the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? 
Uh, no, just again, thank you very much for all that you do for our for our student athletes and the, the game of Division Three basketball. It's important that we have this uh, uh, this platform that you provide. It, it's it's really uh, a great for our parents, fans, and and certainly the coaches a great resource. So thank you. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Good luck, safe travels, because I know it's not exactly easy up in that part of the country with lake effect snow and the like. Uh, we appreciate your time, and and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Uh, he is Dave Nyland joining us from Penn State Barron. Uh, they got five games left again at Pitts Greensburg on the at home against LaRoche, at Pitt Bradford on at home against Hilbert, and then on the road against Penn State Altoona. It's like they're playing all the Pitt or Penn schools uh, on the road while staying at home against the non Penn or Pitt schools. AMCC, an interesting conference. Uh, um, Jay, I know you also had a question regarding things. I'll just say to you. Uh, I don't think there's uh, any real news there, and I don't think we are had a position to answer, ask that question. So we'll move on. Um, come on, come back when we, we'll talk to the men's committee chair. Tim Fitzpatrick joins me, the AD from Coast Guard, talks about what the men's committee has been doing for work and what you might want to know when the regional rankings start coming out next week. You'll listen to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division 3 allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division 3 athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon Show. One of the traditions we have with this show in the last five years 
He's taken the opportunity to talk to both committee chairs to get an idea since this air shows air ugh, since this show airs slightly before the regional rankings come out, get an idea of what to expect from the regional rankings. What should people know about the process, whether you're new or very familiar with it? Um, and, and how did the first mock rankings go? Not necessarily to get answers, but to get an idea of what the committee is already dealing with and whatnot. We talked to Bobby Morgan, the committee chair and Haverford women's head coach at the very beginning of the show. Now we get a chance to hear from the men's committee chair, Tim Fitzpatrick, athletics director for Coast Guard, who is, uh, I, I consider maybe a friend. A lot of these committee chairs I've gotten to know very well. And certainly Tim is one of those who I you know, get to know these committee chairs many times well before they become committee chairs. He joined us earlier this week, actually on Wednesday, to talk about it all. And he joins us now via the Hoopsville Hotline. Here is Tim Fitzpatrick on how the committee's work went so far as they start things up this year. Now joining us on the City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline, it is the Men's Committee Chair and Athletics Director for Coast Guard Academy. It is Tim Fitzpatrick. And, sir, thank you once again for joining us here on Hoopsville this season. Thank you, Dave. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it. I, uh, we welcome the transparency that the committee brings. We uh, thank Bobby Morgan earlier in the show for coming on as well, representing the women's side. Look forward to talking to you about these things. We should point out, as we did earlier, and in case anybody is not aware, the committees, the regional and national, have already kind of done a mock this week, as it were. We're airing this on Thursday. We are talking to you on Wednesday, and you guys have already done the mocks. How did everything go for you guys, uh, kind of first time out of the gate, as it were, this season? Dave, I think it went pretty well. I was really impressed with uh, the degree that the returning members of the RAC helped the new guys. Mm. And we have two two new people this year, uh, Chuck McBreen, who's the coach at Ramapo, and uh, Leonard Trevino, who's the athletic director at, at Chatham in Pittsburgh, that have joined the committee uh, new. And we do... We do an awful lot of work on the front end with the new RAC people in terms of sh kind of sharing best business practices to get them up to speed because it's really – this is a bit of an unusual committee in that, you know, it functions in a very, very narrow window of time. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we basically get cranked up about, mid about the middle of January and then we're done. You know, the final four this year is 17th of March, and then yeah. after that, your next meeting is in Indy in June. So there's an awful, awful lot of work in a short period of time. And I know just from, geez, it seems like just yesterday when I first came on this committee four years ago that Jeff Burns from Randolph-Macon was a chair, and he was really instrumental in getting me coached up and, you know, kind of telling me some of what I'm going to go through. And uh, we tried really hard on the front end. I know as a chair I spoke at length with the two new guys to share what I do in the Northeast region and to kind of give them some best business practices. But I think from hearing today, I think every, each of the other five returning members of the committee was in touch with one or the other of the new guys before, before today's call to pass some information along. And that makes it a lot easier well, on the call today, actually, you know, in our batting order, if you will, with eight people, speaking we let chuck and leonard go last and the reason for that is so they could actually hear the other guys because it's all anecdotal mm -hmm. until you actually get on the call you know right. they conducted their they conducted their rack calls yesterday and really that's where a lot of the guidance comes in is how to conduct your rack call because we have some real hard and fast priorities when it comes to that mostly you know because they're the racks are composed of coaches I personally pass this along, and I know my other committee members believe that, too, that, you know, we really don't need to take more than an hour of anybody's time in sure. a week because they've got other stuff to do. And 
with that in mind, you know, each of us try to prep our racks in the front end with enough information, other, you know, which really is, you know, it's the same information that you're seeing on the NCAA site, but I know in, in the case of many of the members, you know, we encapsulate and produce our own spreadsheets and things like sure. that to put into people's hands in advance. So it's a pretty comprehensive process, but I think, you know, we what we try to do most of all is make sure everybody's singing off the same sheet of music, working off the same standards. And we try to help those guys out as much as we can on the front end. We should point out Chuck McBreen in the Atlantic region, men's basketball coach, assistant athletics director at Ramapo Colleges in his first year. Leonard Trevino, director of athletics at Chatham University, representing the Great Lakes region, former Goucher College uh, basketball coach. Second year in the East region, it's Sam Atkinson from Gallaudet, associate athletics director and uh Bob Bjorkland, the director of athletics, former basketball coach at Bethel University of Minnesota, representing the West. Jared Samples in his third year, men's basketball coach, assistant AD at the University of Dallas, along with from the Mid-Atlantic region, Ken Tyler and director of athletics of the University of Mary Washington, third year. And then yourself, uh, athletics director at UC, or UC, <laughs> U.S. Coast Guard Academy and George Barber, men's basketball coach at Greenville College. Just in case anybody's curious how this makes up. Uh, even Sam and uh, Bob, in some degree, I'm sure, are still getting up to speed do, in their second year. Do you wish you guys had a little bit more maybe official NCAA prep time, not necessarily with mocks, but in conversations, in formal things that are run by the NCAA? Generally speaking, I think the more you can do, the better, uh, while still being respectful of people's times and, yeah. and time commitments and things like that. Uh, I do know this year, you know, as you and I mentioned before we get on the phone, uh, we do have a new NCAA liaison, right. Alex Mortolaro, who comes to us. He was the uh, director of basketball operations uh, at Wagner College for a couple of years. But before that, he was a, a student manager on a, a national championship team in Villanova. And he is, you know, it, it is, it is, Alex has done a terrific job, terrific job. Got some big shoes to fill, real, yes. you know, stepping in for Elisa Halpin. But uh, he has really embraced it and has dived in you know, really earnestly. And not only has done a lot of work with the committee members in terms of, you know, front-end coordination, but also has been spending an awful lot of time with Jim Haney as the new supervisor of officials. Mm -hmm. In fact, we actually had a meeting here at Christmas over between Christmas and New Year's at a Coast Guard home basketball game with Alex and Jim and I. Alex is from Connecticut, so he was in town, and Jim was coming up to see our game to look at guys reffing the game. And uh, we're able to get a meeting and talk about some important things. So I've, I've, we've, it, you know, it's been a, it's been a year of transition. But you know, honestly, now that we got the first mock call out of the first, you know, first rack call and first mock call out of the way today, I feel like we're up and running, and a lot of the transitions behind us now. Is uh is is a little bit of Alex getting up to speed? Also saying, hey Alex, this is Division Three. Welcome to this division. As you point out, his his background's a little more D one centric. Alex has a great basketball mind. I can tell you that from just watching games with him, from even just sitting next to him and watching our game here at Coast Guard. I think it's been more, you know, he he coming from a Division One background, he just lacks familiarity with the institutions. You know, yeah. he doesn't. Uh, you know, for example, while you know he knows Babson won the national championship last year, I don't know that he would necessarily know much more about Babson other than <laughs> it's in Wellesley, Massachusetts, sure. and, you know, things like that. Uh, I do know that he's a basketball nut, <laughs> which is, makes him perfect for this role. Yeah, and I know just from talking to the other members, some of the other members of the, you know, the NCAA basketball team, most notably Will Hopkins, who uh, mm-hmm. who Alex works for, he's really really uh, endeared himself quickly in terms of his professionalism 
and his ability to work hard. And I, I know the committee guys really appreciate it. And where I've seen a lot of that is where, you know, he's going his learning, going through his learning curve. He does a tremendous job of taking, you know, real constructive criticism in terms of, hey, why don't, you know, why don't you do this or make mm-hmm. sure you don't forget that. I mean, it's been very, very very, very big brotherly in terms of the mm-hmm. approach that the, some of the, really all the committee members have taken to making sure he, he knows what he needs to know. Even down to today, you know, I this morning it occurred to me that I hadn't gone over the structure of the actual call with him. <laughs> Details. Because if you, were, if you were on a call, you would understand that there's an awful lot of machinations and comparisons and safe sure. compare these teams and these teams and this and that. And and what I told him to do is I said, look, I need to, I kind of need to steer, Alex. You need to keep track of the changes, because even you know on this for on the even on the mock call, there were changes uh, in three, three or four of the eight regions hmm. from how the and, and there and and that's all part of it. You know, there, are, there are adjustments more yeah. than anything else, and we, uh, you know, we work through those. But I got to make sure I got somebody keeping score to know what the end result looks like. Exactly. And, Hence the purpose of the mock call. I mean, it's going to become a lot more important when we're truly live next week. Right. But uh, it's been a very, very pleasant and easy pro- uh, easy process at this point. Uh, just in case anybody's wa- uh, listening in and wondering, no, out of respect to the committee, both regional and national, we will not be asking uh, maybe how the, some of these regionals uh, broke down this week. It's not worth it. We will wait to find out those regional rankings when they go live, as, as Tim mentioned, next week. Uh, I want to get back to Jim Haney and, and the officials in a minute. don't want to skip that one over. That's a fascinating topic that you and I have talked about a lot, but I'll hopefully get to the end. You did have the first mock call. You have done the first regional rankings, and we should point out the regional committees are literally advising regional advisory committees, the national committee. Ultimately, you guys are the ones who are responsible as a national committee for putting these together. And each member of the of the national committee does not vote um, on the on the advisory committee. They vote on the national committee. How did things go this week? How did um, what were maybe the first challenges that that seemed to come up or maybe not first challenges, but things that clearly look like they're going to be the center of topics of conversation moving forward with these rankings this year? I think what occurred to me the most on this call is that, boy, there's an awful lot still up in the air. And, you know, it's really hard at this point. You know, when people say, well, geez, you know, you're, these teams are two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through the season, um, you know, you're really, you know, you really got to be, you really got to be careful and everything else. And of course you do, but still an awful lot of basketball yeah. to be played out there. And I think what uh, on in today's call, we were on the phone for about two hours, and I think what stood out to me as much as anything else is sorting through. Okay, yeah, you've got you've got SOS, you've got one loss percentage, you got head to head, you got all those things, and trying to just make sense of all of it because what we really try to do as a committee, and Ken Tyler from Mary Washington is great at this. He's like our watchdog when it comes to this. You know, you really want to make as many decisions as you can on the primary criteria screen. Mm-hmm. You know, if there, if the answer is there based on the numbers in the primary criteria, you need to accept it and move on. And sometimes, you know, in human nature being what it is, people kind of try to balance things in their own mind, and that's hard because you have – you know, you're told you're told very clearly by the NCAA. Okay, here are the five primary criteria, and you know, no one is important than another. Right. But that's. But on the other hand, what we're trying to do is decide what's more important as you compare team to team, and that's why today was really good because Bob Bjorklund described it very well as getting the kinks out. 
Yeah. You know, and 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 I think even more particularly it's hearing the reasoning coming from the other people and you know why they think this and that and everything else and there's an awful lot you know at the beginning there's an awful lot of you know comparisons where you may have three or four teams under consideration for a particular spot and an awful lot you know in the for example in the northeast there's an awful lot of head to head yeah uh you know and 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 that's good because what that reflects is you know, for example, teams in the GNAC are getting to play teams in the in the in the NESCAC. Teams in the Luis are playing teams in the NUMAC and the NESCAC. And it does, you know, when you're looking for an edge, those head-to-head games matter. Where when you get out west, that's really hard because right. there's just not very much of it. You know, and 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 it's just it, the challenge is kind of very reason to reason. I would say, you know, we didn't see anything. Too much different, but there's an awful lot of clutter at the beginning, and then it starts to sort itself sure. out over the course of time. Uh, and you know, and you have, you know, just uh, just an example right now. If you look at the, if you look at the NESCAC standings, forget rankings. Look at the NESCAC standings. You got Hamilton and Middlebury up there at the top. They're both reflected in your poll, uh, but at the same time. Hamilton and Middlebury don't play until I think it's I think the last NESCAC game yep. last NESCAC game of the last season weekend is of the Hamilton season, Middlebury. Yeah. yeah. So that you know you 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 you, know, you hope that things sort out all along. Uh, I, I can think of a couple conversations about particular teams within individual regions where we would you know kind of like a tennis match hit the thing back and forth and then somebody goes well you know hey they play tonight. <laughs> so we're gonna know we're gonna know a lot more next week. Yeah, we're gonna get a plenty of information. Yeah, uh, you know, one thing that one thing that really will come into play without uh, without an official ranking. You know, you have a category for record against ranked opponents. Right. right. So it, it's an invisible category. Right. For right at now. At this point, yeah. now we can you know, and in, in discussion, we we're able to reflect today based on okay, here's where they were ranked in the mock. But that, but that's still unofficial. I was going to say so, you can't use that though next week. We we stress to people, listen, there's no results right. versus regionally ranked opponents in the first regional rankings. Despite the fact you've done a mock, you are right. you can't use that as a barometer. You can't use that data next week. No, but we talked about it today because it's going to become important. Right. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you certainly want to practice doing it, as it mm-hmm. were. You don't want to. You just you just can't technically use it next week. Right, because you don't have rankings until after the first, the end of the first actual call. Right. They have to be official rankings, not not mock rankings. Um, fascinating, as we always talk about this. You talk about those five in the primary, and every committee chair does about being the fact that none takes priority over others. But I think we're we all sense at least every year that a lot of this sometimes comes down to win loss and SOS. And it's not to to diminish any of the others, but you kind of pointed out if if we're coming down to selections between a Northeast and a West team, a lot of the other criteria may be a mute point because it's not relative. But SOS and, and win-loss is really where this comes down to a lot of times. Do you still see a, a challenge with regional and even on national side trying to read into those numbers and compare them? Or is this starting to become a little bit more understood with what we've gotten used to as a point oh, or was it a point oh six equals three-game swing type mentality? Well, yeah, we apply the we apply all the data we have, and we and we try very earnestly to get it all right on the first screen. And yes, occasionally we'll have to go to secondary criteria uh, in order to do that. And it really that part of it, honestly, David, gets a little easier as it goes along because the more information you have, the easier it is. Sure. Uh, 
you know, we we don't, you know, we we stress to each other repeatedly. There are five criteria, and there are more, and you know, no one is more important than another one. Uh, are there things that that fans notice? Obviously, they do. Wins and you know, one loss record is a big one, and you know when you when, when you know when you're when any team is trying to get themselves into consideration for an at-large berth, they talk publicly about their non-conference schedule mm-hmm. and how that impacts strength of schedule. And there are there are some conferences where that's more important than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have, a, like in, in the Northeast, we have a few of those where, you know, we have a wide distribution of conference strength, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we talk to each other all the time about calling inside the lines. Like I said a minute ago, though, you know, okay, here you're on, you know, we were, we basically in a mock call have three screens to look at. Three, you know, we basically have I mean, three items on one screen. Okay. You basically have head-to-head, you have SOS and you have one loss record and percentage, right? Because because you know, those other categories haven't populated yet, right? You know, you know you don't have you don't have ranked opponents, you know you don't have but sometimes you don't have in division stuff, so sure. you'll accrue more information as we go along. But that really is a you know there is no bias for one one category versus another. I think from a fan's perspective and from a coach's perspective, it's easy to see. It will be easy to infer that one thing might be more important than the other, but we get it, we get it straight and hard from the NCAA that you consider the five you know, primary criteria. And if you can't work it out under the primary criteria, then and only then do you go to the secondary. Uh, we have something that is always an item of discussion in our committee is that uh, RPI is not a factor. You know, we, we, even when we, even when we go to a secondary screen, secondary criteria screen, we see it, it's there, but we can't use it. And, and that's a, I, I kind of pushed the agenda a little bit with the NCAA this year to find out why, you know, why do you show it to us if we, even if we can't use it? I was going to ask the you know, same. Just, you know, just, just the human bias of looking at it, you know, can make it different. But again, that was one of the things we went over today when we, because there were some, there were some, there were some calls that were, there were a couple of calls that were so close that we had to go look at secondary criteria, even in mock ranking. And uh, that's where we need to remind ourselves, hey, you know, don't, you know, RPI's there, but you can't use it. Why can't you, why can't the NCAA just remove that from the screen? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It just um, sounds like it's a problem waiting to happen. Not that I, I've ever sensed in the last few years that it has, but just the—I mean, just the fact that people know it's on that screen from the outside looking in, and and just the fact that you guys have that number kind of blaring at you, even though you can't use it, just seems like it's just not a wise idea from the NCA's point of view to keep it there. Yeah, you, you don't get to it most of the time, and I think the the point that the NCA championships people made to me, which I think is a valid one, is. In Division One, it's more—it's—it has more validity because you know Arizona may play St. John's in non-conference, well, sure, or UCLA may play Indiana. Whereas, you know, chances are in a typical year, Whitman's not going to play Middlebury, or you know right. something like right, that. Right. You're not—you're not going to see those those analogies. And there's been some discussion too along the way with the possibility of inc- of including an item called strength of victory in the future. Which oh, we had that in the past. 
there's been some advocacy for, but that's not that's not on the radar at this point as it relates to basketball. Yeah, the quality of win index in the past didn't do so yeah. well. Yeah, um, I mean, our, our guys do a good job of keeping the main things the main things, and the yeah. main things are those five categories. Uh, quickly, last year Oshkosh being selected kind of broke the mold, as it were, of a team with a with a below. We called it Mendoza line of 700 winning percentage with a gaudy SOS got into the tournament. Not going to revisit that in any way, shape, or form. But I'm curious if if that is something we ought to just all keep in the back of our heads, or was that one of those one-offs where the SOS and other data was screaming so bloody murder that it was a it was a one of those events that it had to happen? Whereas it's not necessarily the modus operandi moving forward. I don't think we have enough data, Dave, to view okay. it as anything other than an isolated incident in one year. Okay. I mean, an isolated matter in one year. Yeah, you know, I know what you, you mean. See, you see so many different things in different years, and I yeah. could, you know, if it weren't for the confidentiality of our proceedings, there are some things I could tell you that would probably have it make more sense. <laughs> this segment uh, would go a lot longer, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just, you know, we, we we try very hard to keep the context of, okay, that was last year, this is this year. Sure. And, and you and – you, and you see that. I mean, you know, the defending national champion has eight losses. Yeah, exactly. At this point. So that's a great illustration about how one year really doesn't affect another. And that's, that's you know, we, we try to look at it as new data, new situations, and, and try not to put, uh, you know, try not to let anything but, but the present, you sure. know, impact our decision. Uh, one of the new items for you guys to evaluate is in secondary criteria. And I, you mentioned you don't get to it that often, at least so far, but you may down the road. And that is a non-conference strength of schedule. In other words, removing the conference component uh, to the SOS, which mathematically we've all kind of understood kind of brings everything back to 500. Have you gotten a sense early on how that may impact things? I think it's going to be helpful. I mean, you know, and and part of that is a bias on my part that if you have to go to the secondary criteria, boy, you sure hope they're helpful. (laughs) Because that's that's why you got there to start with. Um, You know, I think when we look at you know, when we look at just things in general, I know just as uh, of someone who's at a school in a NUMAC conference who happens to be on the basketball committee, I've advised a couple of NUMAC coaches about their non-conference schedules mm-hmm. based on things I've seen in the committee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you can help. You, the fact that this is included as a secondary criteria shows that you can really help yourself out a lot by doing that. Yeah, I mean, and and there, you know, there are some, you know, I can, I'm, I'm a little more familiar with the north, certainly more familiar with the northeast than I am with other conferences, but, but other regions. But you look and see, you know, there's an awful lot of, uh, you know, interconference interaction in the northeast. But even, you know, you look around, even just this season so far, you know, Middlebury's played York and and Swarthmore, right. Already, Eastern Connecticut played Cabrini right out of the conference. Uh, you know, Williams had a game with a with a school like Oneonta. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, so that and then and then when you look at when you look at some other schools, I was teasing Charlie Brock yesterday in December. I thought Springfield had joined the NESCAC. <laughs> it's true they had well, played a lot of NESCAC teams. They played four NESCAC games yes. in December, and <laughs> and even you know you look at you look at a team like Keene State, who last year made mm-hmm. the tournament as a nine seed and made it to the round of eight. You know they have non conference they they had non conference games this year against Plattsburgh and Ohio Northern. Yeah. So you know we're seeing I think I think that's a very encouraging sign because you know maybe 
maybe down the line, RPI takes on greater relevancy if there's more of that. Sure. I, I certainly can't. You know, I'm going to be long gone. My next stop is the championships committee <laughs> after March 17th. But uh, I'll be. I'll love you that with great anticipation in the future. Uh, I look forward to seeing that, and you might be part of that conversation, to be honest with you, up there at the Championships Committee. Uh, I know we don't have a lot more time with you, but I want to get to a couple more things. Obviously, we'll go in much more depth in future shows, uh, but we'll, let's go back to the officiating Jim Haney. I know that was something that you guys on the on National Committee really pushed for. Um, talking to Jim Haney in our preseason podcast, he talked about the struggles as a coordinator trying to get the one individual uh, assigned for all three divisions to focus on D3, and it's impossible. Now we have them in place. We're halfway through this, a little over halfway through the season, certainly not expecting things to turn around immediately, but how have, how have those conversations gone, and how do you see the work Jim's doing uh, making impact already? Tell you what, Dave, the biggest impact is he has seen an awful lot of people in person. Uh, the NCAA was very, very gracious in terms of permitting Jim to travel. Mm-hmm. You know, very much along the lines of what J.D. Collins does in Division One. I'm not as familiar with what they do in Division Two, but Jim was, you know, obviously Jim watches a lot of streamed games, but Jim, you know, being the kind of person he is, he wants to see somebody yeah. in person. And he's gotten, he's been all over the place. I mean, every week I hear about, you know, somewhere he's going and just the fact that he was, you know, he was here for the Coast Guard Salve Regina game over <laughs> over Christmas break. <laughs> but he was here with Larry Last, who's the new Mac supervisor. Sure. And, you know, and he went in the went in the locker room and met with the officials before the game and then came and then watched the game and then went in afterwards. And that's not people aren't used to seeing that. And sure. I think that brings, you know, a different level of accountability with you and just some of the things that are going to happen this year that are really are going to get us more closely connected to what goes on in Division One. Jim will approve the assignments for the first and second round. Yeah, that's different. Jim, Jim will make the assignments for the sectionals in the Final Four. That's very different. Which has not happened before. But right. that's, that's why you have a supervisor to do that. Yeah. And, and I think it's really, I think that kind of, you know, we've, these supervisors, the, the guys calling the guys and girls calling the games work very hard. The supervisors work very hard, but it's Jim's job to be kind of the ultimate interpreter, because you know he he's very very straight up with me. He says, you know, when you get to Salem, you want the best people calling the games. And sure, you know, Supervisor A might think that, you know, guy number one is better, but Jim Haney might think that guy number two is better. And and that's where the accountability, the ball of accountability, stops yeah. with Jim. Yeah. So I think it'll, I think it'll, you know, what we're out for is a better product than, you know, kind of depersonalizing what we're out for is a better product. Jim's going to get us that. Yeah, I saw him, uh, or I didn't see him, but I know he was at the Palestra uh, with Donnie Epley, who assigns for the Centennial Conference and, and a bunch of others in the Mid-Atlantic region. And I know he was in Florida at one point this season. Yep. I know he's been uh, at a tournament. Not that we have D3s in Florida, but he went down to a tournament. So I know he's been making the rounds and it's certainly Yeah, he's impressive. been all over the place. Um, he loves doing it. Yeah, and it's great. I look forward to seeing how this ultimately affects things in the next few years as he starts to help with officiating even more. Uh, I know we're running out of time, so I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, we always give the guests the final word. I'm going to kind of preload this one in, in a sense of any final thoughts to give to those tuning in to understand moving forward with regional rankings next week and ultimately selections, You know what, what they should be keeping in mind from your vantage point as a committee chair. I think the big thing is, you know, it's an ongoing and progressive process. And really what matters is, is where you're ranking on Selection Sunday. And it's all a build to that, you know. And 
the the changing dynamics that the National Committee and the RACs deal with are imposing. It really is. When you consider, you know, the impact of individual games, you know, you might have a team that's riding high in the saddle and then they lose twice in a week to yeah. some people they shouldn't lose to. And it's uh, the ongoing dynamics of change. What it manifests itself in is the people who are doing the work work really hard at it. Right. And, and yeah, like like we said about, yeah, last year Endicott played Nichols <laughs> in, the, in the, second, <laughs> yeah. the second round when they probably shouldn't have. I know but, that one bugs you. Uh, but but it's just you know it, you you know it's a it's it's a little it's a little art and it's a lot of science and what we really try to do is we try to make the decisions based on science based on data based on the five criteria that we have that are primary and as you know Ken Tyler from Mary Washington National Committee member says all the time hey we got hey, we got to do everything we can to get it done on the first screen. Sure. The screening of primary primary criteria. So, um, you know, we like I said, we keep in mind that no one no, nothing no one criteria is bigger than another. But it's really exciting to see how it all spins out because you have the you know the drama of the regular season and then the upsets and things that happen in tournaments and it all. You know, it's an interesting process because with 43 AQs, you're really kind of working all year to select to select 21 teams and then bracket the field. Yeah. Think about it, it's an awful lot of work goes into selecting 21 teams. True. At the end of the year. But we do everything we can to get it right or as close as we can. Yeah, and I would say we, with the transparency, we're getting a better understanding of that every year and, and certainly less questions to some degree as well. Um, and we'll answer whatever questions you have as well as we can, Dave. I appreciate that as always, sir. I know you got to go. I appreciate the time you gave us. Uh, good luck. We'll talk. To, I know you and I will talk off air, but we'll look forward to talking to you at the end of the season as well. And uh, enjoy it, why don't you, sir? You bet. Thanks. Tim Fitzpatrick from uh, Coast Guard, Athletics Director and Committee Chair of the Men's Basketball Committee. Thanks to Tim Fitzpatrick and every committee chair who comes on this show as we uh, to, to discuss everything. Bobby Morgan earlier today, of course, the men's committee chairs have made it a tradition for as long as I can remember. I don't remember the last time we didn't have a committee chair. I think it dates back as long as Charlie Brock, um, though Charlie Brock might have talked to Pat. I don't remember the, the total sequencing. But nonetheless, thank you to Tim. Thank you to Bobby. And we will reference these interviews quite a bit in the future. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get back into some more head coaches. Um, Karen Mark. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the uh, I think it's starting to affect me, folks. This show is starting to affect me. Uh, Karen Martin. Uh, Karen Martin. Karen Harvey will join us from Montclair State. Janice Luck from Albright. Philip Ponder from Oglethorpe. Christa, Christy Thomas-Cuddy, former Emory coach, former... Uh, Division three player and assistant coach Pat Scary will join us, and a former NFL standout will join us as well. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. 
When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On the marathon, we start at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It is officially uh, 7.22 p.m. Eastern time. We have a little bit two, over two and a half hours at least left in this program. Uh, a couple more interviews, a couple more segments. Uh, also, the happy hour coming up. Uh, I believe Ryan Scott will join us. We may hear from some others like our friend James Wagner. And, and who knows? We'll find out when we open up our Skype to those we know. And we open it up to you guys to answer questions. All right, so let's go back to women's basketball now in the Atlantic region and, of course, ranked in the top 25 as well, is Montclair State uh, in the Atlantic region. They are in control of the NJAC, as they usually are, 13-0, 19-1 in conference play. New Jersey City sitting uh, two and a half games back, two in the win column, three in the loss, and then Stockton, Rutgers, Camden are tied in third place at 9-5. and five. The 20th-ranked Red Hawks continuing what they do every year, and that is win they have had an above 500 record for a long time, but you can go back to 2011 when they were 14 and 13. Since then, they have not won less than 19 games in a season, and they've only done that once. It's usually 20 or more, and to be specific, 22 or more. Coach Karen Harvey certainly has her squad clicking along, and joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the city of Salem, is the aforementioned Karen Harvey. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Dave, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. This is almost my bedtime, so oh. I'm going to try to be sharp here. Coach, coach, watch out. You're starting to date yourself a little bit there. I know. You're not know. that I'm old, Coach. Old. You are not that old. <laughs> uh, my kids are ready for bed in about 40 minutes. You don't want to be on their yeah, part, do I, you? I, I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I like it. I get up early. <laughs> I wish. My clock is the polar opposite of yours, unfortunately. Um, so it's a little game for me. The game is how do I get Karen on the show while it not being too early in the year, not being too late in the year, but also being somewhat at a different time of the year. <laughs> we, we always are going to talk to you because you're always, at this point, leading, leading the, the NJAC, always in the national conversation. You have built a very consistent and very good program over the years. Well, that's, you're very kind. <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> I try. It's what yeah. I do. 
Um, what do you, this is, I mean, I know it doesn't get old by any stretch of the imagination, but 2012, 19 wins, then 29 wins and one loss in 2013, 28 wins in 14, 31 wins in 15, 22 wins in 16, 26 wins last season. We're already at 19 with the win over William Patterson. You have won, let me double check my notes, 17 in a row. The last loss coming to Ithaca in the third game of the season. Um, you got Stockton ahead, New Jersey City, TCNJ, and Rutgers Newark to, to Rutgers Camden, I apologize, to wrap things up. How did this consistency come about? You know what? I think, uh, uh, and, uh, and my assistant, uh, Courtney Cunningham, my associate head coach, actually, we talk about this a lot because she's been with me through this whole stretch. Um, you know, uh, we made a very tough decision back many years ago, and we had to change the landscape of our program. Uh, we had to change the culture of our program. And we kind of, people kind of know this story, but we kind of cleaned house a little bit and we just redid everything that we did that we wanted to do. And, you know, it's, it, Melissa Toby was a big part of that. Melissa Toby and Janitza were the first year after that. And they sort of helped us. They were huge in helping us create a culture uh, that was way more than about winning games, you know. I think like what I wanted to do is try to do it the right way and have this great culture. And I believe that we could do that and still win a lot of basketball games. And so that's kind of been the mission ever since. Um, and we are very fortunate, you know, we have, a, uh, you know, we've had a lot of players over the years that have really helped us continue that culture. Cause you really, you know, I, I know I, I get a lot of credit, which is great because I'm the head coach, but there's been so many people that have played such an important role in helping us, you know, uh, players and assistant coaches and just uh, the, the, you know, our staff at Montclair State, the athletic department. Like, it's really been everyone, you know, sort of buying into what we're trying to do collectively over the last however many years that has been, seven maybe. Yeah. Um, You know, it was just a, it was a change. It was a change in philosophy, a change of culture. And, and there's been a lot of hard decisions along those seven years. I think from the outside, you could maybe look in and say, oh, you know, Montclair State, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, we, I've made difficult decision after difficult decision putting the culture of our program first hmm. uh, over anything else, you know. Um, so, and just having players and people and assistants and, and everyone buying into that. And, and I think that we've been very fortunate. You know, obviously, we've had some big-time players, which has helped us along the way, but sure. I, I really put it on the culture and, you know, the, the people buying into that. I'm going to forget this one. I'm trying to scan your, your, uh, your bio again, but you also, you know, I wouldn't say it was happenstance that you arrived at Montclair, but you and GP Gromacki kind of <laughs> following each other or not necessarily following each other, but at least kind of near each other in the same circles, both arriving essentially at the same time at your respective schools now and turning those programs into behemoths. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the whole mix, and, and we can get into it some other time, but you are almost synonymous with GP in the sense that you have done that. You have made that decision with a program, just as they have at Amherst, and you have been consistently good as a result of that. And you say it's tough decisions as a coach. Does that mean tough decisions on who you're recruiting? Does that mean tough decisions on who you're hiring? Does that even mean tough decisions on, on what you do personally? I think it's all of those. I also, yeah, I think it's all of those. It's, we've made some very difficult recruiting decisions, um, you know, where 
perhaps there have been some very good, talented players that we would have loved to have, but they weren't necessarily a good fit into the culture. They didn't necessarily believe what we believe. You know, it was more about playing time or this or that or whatever. And, you know, and we walk away. And you have to tell yourself in that moment that, you know, you know. And now, you know, after you're doing it a while, it gets a little easier. But, yeah, you just walk away. Uh, you know, and then, you know, there's also the difficult decisions within each year that you have to make, you know, um, that, you know, you do what you can for an individual and you try to teach them. And I, I believe very much that that's part of our job. And, you know, when you're making a living coaching 18 to 22 year olds, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that you have to do. And, you know, you do what you can, but sometimes there's some difficult decisions that you have to make. Uh, for the culture and for your team as a whole. And, you know, I, I, we've had to make those several of those over the course of time. But, you know, and in that moment, it's gut-wrenching and difficult. But you get a little bit past that and you realize that it was the right decision, you know, to keep the culture of the program intact and, sure. and to benefit the other however many players you have on your program. And, you know, I just try to keep telling myself I do the best I can for it to help an individual for as long as I can. But then at some point, you know, for me, I, there's some times where you say, okay, like now the team has to come first, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, does it feel like the program is ready for another evolutionary step? I mean, you've been to one Final Four, and not that you haven't had to go through some behemoths to, to get there. It, the one <laughs> thing we know on the women's side of things is, after a certain point in time, everybody's good, and there's you can't avoid anybody. Um, you got to the Final Four in 2015, lost to George Fox, but then beat Tufts in the third place game, which thankfully no longer exists. Um, last two years, though, second round is as far as you could you could get. Albright tripped you yep. up. Of course, they're they're our guest next. I apologize. Yeah, for and that, they're that good. <laughs> uh, and Mass Dartmouth got you guys last year. Yeah. Does it feel like there's unfinished business? It, it, as good and consistent you are, and maybe that's not your ultimate goal, I'm just curious if there's unfinished business or you guys are thrilled with where you are and you just want to keep doing that on a consistent basis. Um, you know, I think obviously we would always like to get back. Yeah. Um, I, we've changed the way we do our goals. I mean, and that's something I learned a, just a couple years ago maybe. We don't really talk about that end goal anymore. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. I think I made a mistake the year we went to the Final Four. Oh. Because that year was one of my most talented teams I've ever had. And we set the goal, the team goal. You know, we we did goals the way we regularly do. And we set the team goal to make the Final Four, oh. not to win a national championship. And I always wondered that because we were nervous. We were afraid. You know, we never been there before. And we were afraid that that was too big of a goal that we couldn't achieve it. And I always wondered that, you know, how that would have affected our us psychology-wise. You know what I mean? Like, it, if that wouldn't have, if that would have been our goal, like, would we, would our mindset been a little different going into that game? You know, were we? I don't know. As we really were, just happy to be there. I can't say that we played our. You know, they, we got beat. They were so much better than us. Sure. George Fox. Yeah, they were a good team. <laughs> I just wondered about that, you know? Mm -hmm. So from then on, we don't really set that on goal. Like, we okay. talk about um, other things. We talk about winning a conference championship. We talk about getting to the NCAA tournament. We talk about um, – I do a session with my team where we talk about everything, 
every year so that they understand how the regional rankings work and they understand this and that we call it the NCAA talk. <laughs> and because, you know, freshmen don't even know what conference we're playing in. True. <laughs> yeah. They don't even, you wait, know? we're in college now? Yeah. No, right. I get you. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. So I think that's been a fun part of our, our culture, just trying to give them the big picture and then, you know, we're just trying to win every game we can. But, you know, what we have learned, and I think if you even talk to my seniors now, what they know, because they were freshmen when we played in the Final Four, is it's really hard, and so much of it is out of your control. There's mm-hmm. a lot. It's all, you know, who you get matched up against. And, it, it, and, it, it, and maybe it's a team that, oh, you know, on paper, okay, you look better on paper, but that's a terrible matchup for us. You know, we played Westfield State in the first round last year, and I'm telling you, that was one of the hardest games we've ever played in, in the time I've been a coach. That system that Westfield State runs is difficult, and it took everything that we had to win that game to get out of the first round, uh, you know, and we honestly, like a Dartmouth it was a great team. We didn't have anything left in the tank to play that game. So there's, you know, there's a lot that goes on and we know a lot of it is luck and a lot of it is seeding and a lot of it is, you know, are you playing home or away? And you know, a lot of that stuff you can't control. So, yeah. you know, you're yeah. happy when you get there and you do the best you can when the game you're in and, you know, you just want to see Regis in the first round, don't you? <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. I love her. She does a great job up there. <laughs> what was it? Four straight years. I'm trying to double check. I'm yeah. That was terrible. It was three. It was yeah. at least three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we celebrated yeah. the year you guys weren't beating in the first round. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah exactly. Uh, so let's talk about the season a little more. 19-1, and 13-0, 17 straight, as we mentioned. Uh, you've got four more to go here. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, you've got great talent. Uh, and Katie Sire at 21.5 points a game, 8.5 rebounds a game, 2.5 assists a game, 53 steals uh, uh, to lead the team. Uh, you've got Taylor Harmon, 11.5 points a game and 5 rebounds. Uh, Alex McKinnon, nine points a game. Kate Toby, nine points a game. Both of them with significant rebounds. But of course, Toby, 7.1 assists a game. That's just unfair in uh, numbers. Um, <laughs> she just broke 500 assists, actually, last week. Oh, that's Career a, assists. That's yeah, insane. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. 134 so far this season. Um, you got great talent again. You don't, you, interesting enough, you don't have a, a large team. Um, you play what about 10 players and nine of them see a significant amount of time, but you only have 10 players technically, but you have yeah. really good players. And, and that's been the secret, not the secret, but that's been the, the, the key for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Today, this year is a little bit different. You know, we have, we have a very small roster for, for, you know, different reasons, uh, that we won't get into, but it, it <laughs> certainly isn't ideal. And, um, you know, it's been difficult. It's been, it's been a challenge and, you know, um, you know, you have one injury or someone has the flu or, you know, and you, you don't, you can't go five on five. So we have five returners and five new players. Um, and they've just done a great job. You know, we have great chemistry. They work really hard. My, I want to say just my upperclassmen, because we almost think Alex is an upperclassman, but she's Mm, not, she's a sophomore, but they have done a phenomenal job just teaching you know, they teach every day. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that Kate and Katie and Taylor, those seniors, I think they do as much teaching every day as I do, if not more. You know, they're constantly teaching, and they've just done a great job. They've helped, you know, our freshmen have bought in, and, and uh, they've, 
you know, they, it, it's been a really fun. It's been a challenging year in a different way, but it's really great to see how far they've come. And I couldn't be, you know, this isn't exactly where we thought we were going to be. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of everything that everyone has done. TC and Jay has come out of the uh, the shadows, as it were, 11 and 13 last year, kind of a, a 500 team for a number of years now. You know, gone are the days of, of their behemoth 28 and 5 season, but they're they're back in the conference conversation. They're sitting in second, two and a half games behind you, and then it's Stockton and Rutgers Camden. Conference is kind of heckle, Dr. Heckle, was it Dr. Yeah. Jekyll and Mr. <laughs> Hyde to some degree um, yeah. with the way things are going. How do you guys kind of stay above the fray and how do you prepare for? what ends up being some interesting matchups every night. Yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, anyone can beat anyone on any given night uh, for the most part, you know. Um, so, you know, and, and uh, you know, we have a little target on our back. So we get everybody's best shot. Uh, we really do. So we've got to be ready to go. And we're not, you know, I said this to my team the other day, and I said it lovingly, but, you know, we're not that good. So we're not that much better yeah. if we are better on a given day than anyone else. So we, you know, we've got to be ready. We, we can't, we're not going to walk into any gym and win a game just because we walked in. It's not going to happen. So, you know, and right now we have an injury. I don't know if you noticed that, but we have uh, Kate Toby did not play last night. I was so. going to say, I did notice something yeah. about Toby missing some action and yeah. hope it's not yeah. serious. Uh, she has a concussion. Oh, that's right. I did read concussion. Yes. Yeah, concussion. Um, so, so hopefully she's back so, soon. Yeah, we hope so. We hope so. We're so you know, we'll, we'll wait through that process. But, you know, that was a, another challenge for us. And I, I have to say, it wasn't pretty, but um, we did a really good job last night. You know, we, she's our really our only true point guard. And, you know, Katie Sire had to run a little point, And <laughs> my freshman Taylor Brown had to run a little point, And our transfer ran a little point. I mean, I think Alex ran the point for a minute. So... You want you know. me to do what, Coach? Yeah. 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 Well, I get it. By the way, we've been saying 13-0 in conference. I should point out, the, the, you had a game against New Jersey City that was canceled per, technically. Yes. The conference yes. is considering that a conference win, so you are 14-0, yes. and, and and I know that causes some confusion. So really, you have a three-game lead on the conference with five to play, or with you, four to play. So you pretty four much have play. wrapped this stuff up, and it'll be coming through Montclair State again. And once again, it's it's the same topic. But how do you? what do you do now – to get this team ready for essentially, we would hope an NCAA tournament run. Do you do you take your foot off the gas pedal at all? Give these players a break, uh, as you said. You don't have a deep team as much as you normally do, or is this one of those deals where no, you got to keep up with the grind? Um, I think that's what I'm trying to figure out every minute of every day. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of up and down. I really have to be careful uh, because of the legs, and we're trying to manage that a little bit. Uh, so we're taking some extra days off. We were, uh, my senior Katie Sire was joking because I number the practices. So they know how many practices we've had. And we're about 11 practices down right now from last year, which is a lot if you think wow. about it. Yeah. Um, so we have tried to manage the roster size that way and the wear and tear on their legs. And we look for opportunities to shorten things up and take an extra day off if we can. And it doesn't always make as a coach very comfortable. But I think, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's, it's what I got to do. I got to try to keep them as fresh as possible. And so, yeah, we're constantly, man that's the big thing right now is managing it. I said to, I said to my assistant that, it, you know, in another week, this is going to be a little easier. Like mm -hmm. we're going to be done managing legs and time and we can get back to, you know, playing a little harder. 
I think what I try to do, so I'm managing that, but I try to keep the expectations of what we are doing high. You know, like just because we may be going a little lighter, yeah. I mean, doesn't mean you can miss your defensive rotation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't don't let me re- regret making you letting you go lighter if you're going to start screwing things up. Right. Um, right. Uh, we should before we let you go. Should would be remiss. You're on the national committee. We've talked to you before about that. Um, we won't even discuss uh, what t- uh, tour of duty you're on at this point in time, but uh, you're <laughs> on for another round at least. Uh, how, what was it like to, to kind of uh, brush off the rust this past week with the mock rankings and whatnot? Right. Well, you know what? I, I, uh, third year might be a little easier, I have to say. So, <laughs> oh, it, you jinxed it. I, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, just smoother for me, like, yeah. you know, wrapping my I also have a veteran rack, so everyone has returned except oh, for one, one new person. So that makes it fantastic. Um, and they do a really good job. Like they, they really do their homework and they're ready to go. And, um, I thought we did a really good job with the mock this week. You know, obviously it's always interesting. And I heard Bobby and Tim talk today and they both explained all that really, really well. Um, And I can't really add anything that they didn't say to that, but, but it's always interesting. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, a lot of work for all the people that volunteer to be a part of that. And and, uh, we're definitely working as hard as we possibly can to get it right. You know, I won't ask you the crazy questions until become chair. Right. So now you <laughs> have a choice. You. Do you want to be chair or not? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna get through this year, Dave. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on as always. Love chatting with you and a really insightful uh, conversation this time. I really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the last four games of the regular season plus conference tournament. Look forward to seeing uh, what you guys can do to finish things off and hopefully in dancing in March as well. As always, we give you the final word. Final word goes to the coach. Any final thoughts for those who may be tuning in? I just want to say thanks so much. You know, we, I, I know I can't believe that you do this, this marathon. Uh, this is crazy, but you do so much for men's and women's basketball. And uh, we love D3 hoops. It's that, you know, we're on it every day, five times a day. And um, you know, the hoop fill show is fantastic. So thanks for everything. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thanks, Coach. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. No problem. Karen Harvey joining us from Montclair State. They got Stockton ahead. New Jersey City, the game that was canceled, they'll take them on on next week. And then TCNJ, an interesting battle at the top. TCNJ having a breakout season. And then they'll finish up with Rutgers Camden before, obviously, they will host. Unless they implode, they will be hosting the NJAC tournament. Going to take another break when we come back. We'll go to Albright. Yeah, that might have stung a little bit talking about Albright. But Albright, Janice Luck will join us to talk about her team, the Lions, and the Mac Commonwealth. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoops right after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. 
When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And join, welcome back to Hoopsville on the Marathon as we're ready to close out nearly. I'm still trying to do the math here. I think we're closing out hour number nine. Yeah, that's it. Uh, normally, we're only 45 minutes into a show. Right now, we are much further into this show. Uh, still ahead, uh, we will talk to Christy Thomas-Cuddy, former Emory women's coach. Also, speaking of the Atlanta area, Oglethorpe men's basketball coach. Uh, Philip Ponder will be joining us, also a couple of other interviews, and then we'll open it up the happy hour and have some fun with some of our friends from around Division Three, talking men's and women's basketball. All right, so we previewed a little bit. Albright it was in the conversation just a moment ago talking to Karen and Harvey at um, Montclair. Those two programs certainly know each other pretty well. Albright, again, having a pretty decent season. They are 16-5 and five overall, more importantly, leading the MAC Commonwealth at 11 and 1, um, half game ahead of Messiah right now, who's 10 and 1, at least in our standings. Lycoming 9 and 3, Lebthal at 8 and 4, Stevenson at 6 and 6. Uh, start of the season, if you look at it, 0 and 2, and then lost two against Widener and Moravian. Their only other lone loss to Montclair State. So, really good stretch here in the second half, controlling the Commonwealth. And joining us via the city of Salem. Skype Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of Albright. It is Janice Luck. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, this is kind of a weird season, I would say. Uh, high expectations, sure. You've had some really back, good back-to-back -back seasons, but we all knew you lost some, some decent talent. Uh, Marymount tripped you up, and then Lynchburg all down at Johns Hopkins, um, but in close games. Yeah, Widener then tripped you and Moravian tripped you. And, but since then, you've been playing some pretty good basketball. You've got to be thrilled with at least how the team's kind of rebounded from from what was a little bit of a rough start. I am. Um, it, it was a rough start. Um, when we hit conference play, I tried to reassure the girls that they were prepared for, <laughs> for the conference play by playing such a tough out-of-conference schedule. 
you know, Marymount uh, obviously played them last in the NCAA's last season. So that was an emotional game to start the season off with. Um, and playing really tough teams prepared us to play, uh, you know, Moravian, Stevenson, Lebanon Valley. Uh, so I think that, you know, I'll take, I'll take the wins in the conference over out of conference any day. Uh, so uh, I'm very happy with a lot of senior leaders, and they seem to be turning it on at just the right time. Yeah, I mean, listen, wins in conference in the grand scheme of things mean more than anything else. Yes, out of conference means a lot. We will talk about out of conference games when it comes to at large and bracketing and hosting and all that. But ultimately, you need to position yourself and getting wins in conference to win the conference is the most important thing. Uh, you're undefeated in conference play in a conference that has certainly become pretty, pretty fun to watch, pretty competitive. Messiah being up there in the conversation is certainly no surprise. Lie Cummings kind of opened some eyes for some people. They're in the mix. Leb Val's back in the mix. Stevenson expected maybe to, to fall off a little bit, but still a, a, a force to be reckoned with. You cannot go into any game necessarily, even Hood, which you won on Wednesday, 81-47. You can't go into those games with your guard down. No, I mean, on any given night, and, and Widener proved that when they when they got us in December. Yeah. Uh, and. You know, they haven't gotten a lot of conference wins since then, so it stings every time they don't win. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, every night, even though, you know, it, it might look unbalanced at the end, um, it's a battle at least three quarters of the game. So uh, it's it's tough, especially the top half. It's it's a battle every single night, and uh, you got to be ready to play. What I find really interesting, too, is that the end of the year season is full of basically the top of the conference. You've got Lev Val coming up on Saturday, and you got to go to their place to play, which is always a tough uh, challenge. You're going to host Alvernia. Then you got to travel to Messiah, who we mentioned in second, and then host Lycoming. So three of the next four are against those who are sitting right behind you and would love nothing more than to knock you off and hopefully get home court advantage if they can, especially Messiah. So you're finishing with good opponents that will keep you from maybe um, taking things for granted, but at the same time, it also tough opponents. It doesn't give you much of a break. Yeah, no, not much of a break and uh, not much different than what Karen was talking about earlier. We don't have a very deep bench or, or a lot of people in rotation. So our practices uh, have also been a little bit shorter, uh, intense, but shorter. Um, we have to watch the legs. We have to watch the minutes. But, yeah, there's no break. Uh, but, you know, it kind of goes along with this whole schedule that we had this year. You know, from start to finish, we've been playing really tough teams. And, um, you know, we had a target on our back and, you know, a couple losses in the beginning of the year kind of, made that target a little smaller, but in conference, that's a huge target. Um, and we've got people battling to try and get fourth or third place. And, um, they're not really looking to just beat us. They're looking to fight for themselves. And that makes it really tough. Um, especially on the road. Uh, you know, we can't overlook Lebanon Valley by trying to, you know, focus on Messiah because, you know, they're, they're, they're a good team, you know, Leval's good and they have, um, you know, some, some good guards that are ready to go. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty close driving wise, but it is definitely a tough place to play. So, um, it, it's, it's tough to keep a team focused one game at a time. Um, whether it was hood last night, Lebanon Valley Saturday, and, you know, for this senior class, they've been in the championship game every season. Um, so that's what they have their eyes on. So to really keep them one game at a time, it's, it's a challenge. It's a tough challenge, but, um, you know, we're so far keeping it, keeping it on point and, uh, you know, trying to go one game at a time. Well, yeah. And, and you got to make sure that you don't overtax yourself as clearly as you guys are trying to do your best. You've got a lot of good players. You're right. You don't play a ton of players, but you, you play everybody basically, uh, Alicia Lofton leading the team at over 14 and a half points a game. Nina Marzarelli 
uh, 14.5 points a game, 12.5 for Devon Horka. Uh, then it steps off a little bit, but still 8.5 points for Jane Joyce um, and Michaela Lee at, at 7.5 and, and 7 points for Zariah. Zariah, I apologize, Muhammad. It's it's been a long day, um, and a lot of and a lot of these players pull up the rebounds. I mean, Lofton at, at nearly eight, Marzarelli with three, Horka with seven and a half, six for Joyce, Leia for five and a half, six for Muhammad. Everybody's contributing in every single way: assists, rebounds, scoring, um, steals. Everybody's got significant numbers. Yeah, um, I think that's one thing that's it's helping us play well right now in, in the second half is just unselfishness, uh, whether it's defensively, offensively. Uh, we have a lot of offensive threats, um, but what I've been trying to hammer home with the team is just defense and rebounds. Well, you know, don't let a team out rebound us, um, and that is that's our number one goal going into every game. And um, you know, Jane Joyce is five uh, four uh, on a good day, and she's got a lot of rebounds in there for a point guard. So. Yeah. Um, that's, that's huge for us. You know, that's, she really, we depend on her to get in there and get some rebounds. So, um, you know, Alicia Lofton's coming off a triple double at Stevenson. Um, and you know, she, she does a little bit of everything. I mean, she flirts with, you know, maybe four categories almost in the double figures, uh, every single night. So yeah, you might not have the 25, 30 points that might, you know, flash up on a radar screen, but, um, she's filling those categories up. And so is Jane Joyce, uh, earlier in the season, she missed a triple double by one assist. Um, you know, Nina Mazzarelli, any night could have a lot of points, a lot of threes, a lot of assists. Um, you know, and, and Devin Horka in this last stretch here has really been, um, right at the double double. Um, we've gotten a lot of, contributions from uh, Zaria Muhammad off the bench. Um, it's kind of a, she's coming off last year. She had an ACL injury. So she's a sophomore that really had to get some of the dust off and uh, it's, it's come, it's starting to show now. So we're, we're real happy with her play, but um, yeah, we're, we're every sense of a team, everybody contributing on any given night. Someone could beat our leading scorer, our leading rebounder. And um, it makes it fun, makes it fun for the girls. And uh it, it makes everything tough to defend. Um, who, you, who are you going to stop? So, um, you know, we we hope to keep that going. You're out rebounding your opponents by 10. You're outscoring your opponents by 11. Uh, you're shooting 42% from the floor, uh, 72% from the free throw line, which this year, for whatever reason, I've noticed is, is it hasn't been the best of numbers. 72% is pretty respectable. Um, the only thing about it, you don't do tremendously well is shoot the three ball, but that's a 288 clip and that's about it. But when you're doing everything else, well, who cares? Right. That's right. Uh, you know, we probably could have some bigger wins if we hit more threes. Uh, we, we lost one of our three point shooters to graduation last year. And yeah. I think people were able, are a little bit able to focus on Nina Mazzarelli more, um, which makes it tough for her to get a shot off. But Michaela Lee has been stepping out. Um, she's a stretch four for us and, um, has been hitting some threes, which is helpful. Um, we had, we have an injury. One of our, uh, girls off the bench that's a shooter is, is out right now. So, uh, she doesn't hit a lot, Lauren Killian, but you know, she's, it's, it's a threat. Um, so, you know, we've got it, we've got to get the point somewhere else. And that is, um, you know, rebounds and not letting teams have second chances. And, uh, you know, if we're, we're fighting a team with twos and threes, uh, it's, we got a battle. We got a battle hard. Okay. So I've gone all this way without mentioning the fact that you knocked off Tufts on December 29th. That's the thing about this team is, is, and I think I turned our heads, especially when we were in Vegas. You knocked off the the previously undefeated Tufts in, in a tight game in Montclair. Um, probably the last thing Karen wanted to see, because I think she had that slated that she wouldn't see you guys, is what I think she was doing. Uh, yeah. The fact that she'd rather play Tufts than you. Just saying, rather interesting. But 
But that was the thing is you knocked off Tufts. And, yeah, you lost the next day to Montclair State, and maybe that was a little bit of the of the hangover, as it were, from such a big win. But that's the type of, of, of program you have that is capable of doing anything. It's got to give you a lot of confidence heading in not only the conference tournament, but most likely the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, our, our girls, um, I have four senior starters, and uh, they've played Montclair. Um, they've played Marymount. They've played Tufts. We, we lost to Tufts in the Sweet 16 in 2016, and um, our seniors went into that game with a little bit of an edge, uh, really wanting to beat that team. And uh, they, they gave, they brought everything they had that night. And uh, it was a great performance. It was a highlight of our program, I think, uh, kind of opened up some eyes. And uh, I think it gave our team confidence more than anything. I know we lost the next day, um, but we lost to, like you just said, a very good Montclair State team. And that is kind of running a, a eight year stretch here that's pretty good. Um, so, there's there's no shame in that. It, it was you know it was a tight game and uh, you know they, they took the nod there at the end. But uh, you know it, it gave us confidence rolling in. If we can beat you know basically the first thing I said in the locker room when we beat Tufts is you can beat Tufts but we lose to Widener in conference. You know so um, you know and Widener's a good team but you know at this year we where we are we should have won that game. So um, you know they they shook their heads and they agreed and you know every day they have to bring that every single day when they play. So. Um, it was a confidence booster more than anything and uh, a program builder. Uh, at least you got back on Widener by the 15-point win uh, back on January 20th. You at least re- exacted some revenge. We should point out, Janice, you have one of those situations. You and Rick Ferry, both basketball coaches, are also both di- uh, athletic directors or co-athletic directors, as you guys call it. And, um, you know, it, it adds a lot more to your plate. Uh, there's a lot of women's basketball coaches, Karen, who we just had on, who have administrative roles as well. But you and Rick splitting the AD responsibilities to some degree, especially when you're both coaches in the same season, adds a lot to it. How how hard is it for you to focus on one or the other, let alone both, when when especially when you're having such a great season like this and Rick's having a pretty good season? Yeah, um, I can't say it's easy, uh, but you know, uh, doing it for quite some time now, you you kind of get into a rhythm and you know what's what's going to happen and how you have to plan things out. Um, having good staff around us administratively um, in the athletic office is is super helpful. Other coaches stepping in when we need it. Um, you know, just little things around the office, um, and you know, working side by side with Rick um, has you know it's it's been a joy. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, we've been doing it for so long together um, that, you know, we it is, it, you know, it's it's like a work marriage, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we we have our moments. We, we don't really talk much during the season because, you know, he's at practice. I'm at practice. And then um, where we can tag team a meeting, we, we will do that. So it's it's actually pretty helpful to have the setup that we have. Um, but, you know, you look around Division three and there are some others um, that, that have administrative duties and you just do it. it it's it's the essence of Division three. And it, it's it's no different than the student athletes, you know, trying to balance their academics and athletics. And, um, you know, being a, a former Division three athlete mm-hmm. not many years ago, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 what what I was used to. So you just have to figure it out um, and, and you get it done. But I think you do it with good staff, good coaches. Um, you know, good, good athletic department to, to step in when needed. And we have a good team atmosphere. So, um, it's not easy. I think the hardest part is probably the recruiting. Sure. Um, you get, you have the balance during the day, you try and figure it out. And then, you know, you, you reach seven o'clock and, and your, your day's only halfway done. Uh, so, um, that's, that's probably where it's the hardest, but, uh, 
you know, you got to do it if you want to, if you want to be a good team and you want to battle with with teams like we are this year and, uh, you know, try and stay atop of the conference. It's, you know, you got, you got to work hard. Um, what was it? Uh, yeah. You, I'm glad you don't think it was that long ago. It makes me feel better too, that my college days weren't that long ago either. So good. Keep up that. I'm with you. Totally. <laughs> By the way, do you and Rick play rock, paper, scissors when it comes to hard things like <clears throat> maybe this fall? Uh, well, I'm not going into it. I'm just saying. Okay. Is there... um, we, we oversee different sports um, okay, as, okay. As, a, as a direct report. So, um, you know, uh, things like different sports will we'll have to deal with that. Be the, would be the lead on any issues that may come up. Um, <laughs> but in a, a very um, high profile situation, um, mm-hmm. we will we'll both get involved, um, obviously, and uh, with with upper administration as needed. But sure. um, the point person will be whoever oversees that sport. And we kind of split up yeah i'm just gonna leave it at that we this is a basketball show we don't need to get into everything else uh that thing is in the past um well thanks for coming on coach really appreciate it love to hear chatting with you uh kind of miss seeing you i'm no longer rolling through the mac commonwealth as much as i used to but i'm going to try and fix that in the near future uh again lab val alvernia messiah like like coming coming up as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in well, obviously, thank you to D3 Hoops on Hoopsville. I think it's a great show, and, and uh, the balance you make between the men's and women's basketball programs is great, um, promoting our student-athletes. And, uh, you know, just a shout-out to our team, you know, that work hard every day. We're, we're you know, about nine-and-a-half people right now on our team, and uh, uh, they're the ones that do the work day in and day out. So um, just thank you to the team, and uh, wish everyone in the MAC Commonwealth a, a good run here at the end. Yeah, no, you don't. You you want everybody to stub their toes so you can have a little bit easier way. Come on, don't lie to me. Oh no, I would never ever wish that on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't wish it, but you wouldn't no. mind it. <laughs> I kid. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the Skype as well. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to talking to you. And we'll look forward to talking to Rick at some point down the road as well. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline, it is Janice Luck, head coach of the Albright women's team. Again, four games left, plus conference play, 16-5, 11-1 in conference action. When we come back, we'll head down south. Oglethorpe men's basketball joining us. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studio, we've got not much more, but plenty more ahead on the marathon. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along here, it's 8.05 Eastern time. We have two hours left of this marathon. Uh, guests for this final hour include Oglethorpe men's basketball coach, Philip Bonder, who's uh, sitting on hold right now. Also, uh, former Emory women's basketball coach, Christy Thomas-Cuddy. Unintentionally, we got two Atlanta area coaches on the show here. We'll talk, though, uh, Christy's moved on to another location in the world. But we'll talk to her coming up. And then we'll talk to a couple great uh, Division Three connected guests. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. You know how to get a hold of us, and we look forward to hearing from you, especially in the happy hour starting a little after 9 o'clock when we get a bunch of friends in here to talk Division Three basketball. If you haven't looked at the SAA race, it is uh, interesting. It's a three-way tie right now. Oglethorpe, Center, and Swanee, all seven and two apiece, with Birmingham Southern right behind him at six and three. Swanee, Center, and Oglethorpe are all with above 500 records, and Oglethorpe sitting at 13 and seven, as we mentioned. However, they finally uh, they had a two-game losing streak and got out of that with a win over Birmingham Southern back on the 28th, 190. They've got Hendricks and Rhodes coming up, and a really good challenge to finish off the regular season. How are they going to do it? Well, let's find out from their head coach joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. It is Philip Ponder from Oglethorpe. Coach, thanks so much for uh, taking the time, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So uh, the Petrels are uh, doing well, somewhat flying high. Last season was a little, little rough. Last two seasons a little rough, 11-15 and then 10-6. and six. So 13-7 and seven is certainly feeling pretty good. you got to be thrilled with how they're competing this year and, and in the conference race. Yeah, it's it's been a fun year. We uh we've been a little healthier th- this year than we've been the the past couple. Um, and you know, obviously, when when you're healthy, you're you're a lot better. So that that's kind of been the the key this season. Well, healthy's always a key. Uh, <laughs> admittedly, I know a lot of teams that have done very well with with good health, but also really falling apart when things have gone sideways. Were you worried at all at all this season? You started off one and one, two and two, uh, four and four. You know, it, it, it felt like you guys might have been just kind of couldn't get it in gear, as it were. Uh, the Lawrence loss in Daytona, 79-60, before beating Concordia, Wisconsin, the next day, 82-69. Emory had a really tight game with them. I feel like that was kind of the turning point in some degree. Yeah, we started the season. I mean, we had six of our top 12 guys out for the year last year. So so we got almost – we got five of those guys back this year and – so we just had a bunch of guys that had never really played together. Um, so it was just 
a new group playing together for the first time. So it, it took us a little while to kind of figure things out. Um, but really the turning point to me was the Concordia game down in Daytona. We actually had our, our, our big man got hurt. And so it gave some opportunities to, to a couple of freshmen uh, getting a little more playing time. And, you know, we kind of, um, you know, we played really well that game. And then in the, our, our um, holiday tournament, we, we won two. And uh, then the Emory game, even though we lost, you know, we led much of the game and it came down to the last minute or two. Uh, and then we got our big man back, but we had kind of found our stride and some guys had gotten some, some minutes that they probably would not have gotten had he been playing. And so it, it actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Um, and, you know, we, we've really been playing pretty well since then. Yeah, certainly been playing well. Again, that Emory game, you know, there's opponents like Illinois Wesleyan who didn't play that well against Emory. Uh, granted, Wash U uh, beat Emory pretty handily last week. We're looking forward to the rematch this weekend. But 88-82 is nothing to, sh- to shake a stick at. You then beat Rhodes in a game that was clearly dictated by Rhodes in their system-esque style, 108-87, um, and then beat Birmingham Southern, as I said, 190. You've got things are going well, but what happened with Birmingham Southern Millsaps a week apart um, and kind of, again, like the UAA and others, you have these mirror weekends where you play the two and then you play the two again. You played them on the road, you beat Millsaps, and you lost to Birmingham Southern. And then you come back and Millsaps handed it to you guys on the 26th before you got back on, on the winning side against Birmingham Southern. What happened in that two-game stretch here? Was that just bad luck, bad timing? <laughs> well, we, we started out 6-0 and in the league, uh, and so the only team we had not played was Birmingham. Uh, so we were at their place, but I mean, they've got a really good team. Um, I mean, they're better than their record. They had a tough non-conference schedule. Uh, they mm-hmm. played Emory, Transy, Illinois Wesleyan, yeah. um, Wittenberg. So they're, they're much better than their record and they're always tough at home. And at their place, it was just a, a shootout. Um, and they were, they were just a little bit better than us that day. They, they brought their A game. We probably bought, brought our B plus game. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, we turn around, come back home, and, you know, I, I don't know if our guys were looking ahead to, you know, getting some revenge on Birmingham, and I don't want to take anything away from Millsaps because they played great last Friday night. But we, we came out, and in, in my 15 years as a head coach, I think we played our worst home game in 15 years. Mm. Um, we had our season-low shooting percentage, season-low three-point percentage, season-low scoring, and it was just one of those nights nothing went right. Um, and they handed it to us. And, you know, credit to them. They played great. Um, so Saturday, you know, I was not in a good mood. The players were not in a good mood. And, um, you know, you can go kind of two different ways. And, you know, I, I chose to kind of be the, uh, you know, we, we could have come in and just had the hardest practice ever and screaming and yelling, but I actually went the opposite direction and we just kind of sat down and talked things out. Um, barely did anything that day, to be honest with you. It was more just a talk session. Um, watched a little bit of film, uh, but we didn't really prepare for Birmingham until the next morning, Sunday morning at shoot around. We, we kind of started doing some stuff. But the guys came out on a Sunday, and, you know, we went from by far our worst game of the year on Friday night to probably our best game of the year on Sunday. So I was really proud of the guys, the way they, they bounced back and, and handled a little bit of adversity. Um, 
and it was another another shootout. You know, our two two games with Birmingham, I think the combined score is like 190 to 190 or something like that. So, um, I mean, they, they got a good squad. So hopefully we got back on track a little bit on Sunday, uh, but we've we've still got a tough five games to go. Yeah, I still got five, as you mentioned. Uh, you've got uh, Hendricks and Rhodes at home coming up here on the second and fourth. Then you're on the road to finish it off. you got Swanee in center. And then Barry and, well, we've got the conference tournament uh, right. uh, starting on the 23rd. So the five games, you got center and Barry to wrap things up on the road. Barry coming uh, as a solo game that final weekend. Yeah, and, and A, these teams would love to knock you out of the SAA top spot. I don't think anybody, you know, if they could, they'd rather not come to Oglethorpe for the tournament. Um, right. At the same time, somebody else, you know, center and, and Swanee want to do it themselves as well. So there's a lot on the line still and a lot to play for. Yeah, and Birmingham, Birmingham still has a shot too. So it, I, I've kind of looked at the remaining schedule and you, know, you try to speculate if this happens, if that happens. But, I mean, there's no way to predict <laughs> it. Uh it, any one of the four of us could wind up uh, winning the league and hosting, and um, you know everybody's going to have to play play their best ball down the stretch. So it's, it's going to be a crazy finish, I think. Yeah, I have a feeling you're right, uh, which is fun. Which is what we'll enjoy. I know coaches, it'll drive them absolutely insane. Um, let's talk about this team in a little bit. You got a nice deep roster. Uh, you've got some fascinating uh, ports of call, as it were. Um, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Florida, obviously a number of, of Georgians, some Florida, uh, but you also have a little bit of an international flair, one from Kuwait City uh, in Kuwait, one from uh, Lille, France, uh, one from Versailles, Kentucky, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> um, but you do, you have a little bit of variety there. That That's somewhat unique, I would think. Uh, well, it's unique for a lot of schools, but why Oglethorpe? Well, uh, the the kid from France, we we actually kind of lucked into. We at, uh, we don't have this program anymore, but at one point we had a program called Education First hmm. here at Oglethorpe. It um, was foreign students coming over to to learn English and um, you know just experience American life. Okay. And so I'm sitting in my office, and this big six eight guy walks in my office. Ah. I, I look up at him, and. Uh, He's like, Coach, I want to play on the team. I'm like, are, are you a student here? And he, he's like, no, I'm with the EF program. And I was like, well, you, you can't uh, you can't play if, if you're not a student. But he was here for the entire year. He played pickup with our guys. Uh, you know, and that spring I told him, look, we would love for you to in, enroll at Oglethorpe. We'd, we'd have a spot for you. Um, didn't really think it was going to happen. He, he went home in May, and I still didn't think it was going to happen. And then he contacted me in July, and he's like, I want to do it. And wow. so we, we lucked into him a little bit. And, you know, his first year he was pretty raw, but he's he's really turned into one of the best big men in, in the league. And he's, he's just improved dramatically every year. And, um, you know, he, he's got a chance to continue to improve and, and become a, a really, really good player. Well, he's third on the team in scoring. Well, tied for second with Chris Lawrence, Tom Ngungu. Is that how you say it? Ngungu? Ngungu. Ngungu, Okay. Uh, 10.2 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Uh, he's, I think, the team's leader in blocks. Uh, not too bad. The team's led by Will Perry, the junior, 20 points a game, uh, seven and a half rebounds, uh, half one and a half assists a game. And then I mentioned Chris Lawrence, the senior, at 10.2. And, and Connor Smith is a smidge under at 9.8. So he's essentially got a, um, double digits in that category as well. So two seniors and two juniors leading the way there. And, and you've got to be – 
pretty happy that not only you got your seniors stepping up in the statistical category, but you got the underclassmen as well, because even Lane Foster, a freshman, and, and Justin Hughes, a sophomore, aren't that far behind in the points category. Yeah, we've got a nice mix of young and old. So, I mean, we're, we're playing two freshmen significantly, uh, Lane Foster and Will Coke. Justin Hughes is a sophomore, and then Will and Tom are juniors, and then and then we have the two seniors. But So four of those guys were out for the year last year. So, I mean, that's, that's part of the reason we struggled a little bit. Um, so having those guys back, you know, Will Perry was out last year. Obviously, he's having a phenomenal year. Um, you know, having one of the best seasons of any any player we've ever had here at Oglethorpe since since I've been here. So, uh, love having him back, and um, so I feel like we got a nice mix of young and old, and and they've kind of gelled and meshed well together. You've got an interesting schedule in the sense that you've played a lot of teams that people have have been talking about or had their eye on, especially in the South Region. You played Methodist. They beat you. They played WNL, who's who's been turning some heads in in the ODAC. You beat them, but Maryville, who's certainly been turning heads, uh, they got you back. Obviously, we talk about the the conference play. We know who you've played in the in the conference, but you've also dabbled with some others. How do you, how do you think a you stack up with the rest of the South Region? B, how does the SAA stacking up with the rest of the South Region? Um, well, I do think we played a tough non-conference schedule. I think 10 of the 11 teams we played have winning records. Um, you know, and like you said, Methodist, Emory, Maryville, Washington and Lee. I mean, we, we played some tough guys, which I think got us ready for the SAA schedule. Um, I mean, I think we're up there. I, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think we're quite as good as we were about three years ago, but, okay. um, on our best days, we're still pretty good. We this is probably the longest team I've had. So I mean, we got some good links. Uh, you know, we can put a lineup out there that's six eight, six six, six four, six four, six two. Um, so we can put a pretty big lineup out there. Um, so I think we stack up pretty well in the region. Um, and then in terms of our conference. Um, I don't think the conference is as strong as it was three years ago. It's, it's down a little bit, but I do think you know center. Started out uh, not quite as good as, as they normally do, but they've really found their stride. Birmingham played an extremely tough non-conference schedule, but they're they're a good squad and they're they're playing well. I think we're we're pretty good, and Swanee has, has played great great defensive team. Um, so I think those four teams are, are, are really solid uh, squads, and I don't think there's a weak team in the league either. I mean, you know, some teams don't have great records, but it's it's not a situation where you can go in and uh, we're going to win tonight. There, there's not a single game like that in our league. One of the uh, interesting advantages for you guys is the home court, literally. Uh, it is one of the more unique courts. We talk a lot about, especially in D1, they get all these fancy courts with crazy designs, especially if you go up to the northwest part of the country or the western part of the country. You guys, though, took it to a whole other <laughs> extreme. I remember talking about this when it first came out, but it's still a topic of conversation to the point that my colleague Ryan Scott's like, you got to ask him, how much does it take? And we'll show a picture of those watching. It's a full black court with uh, mainly yellow lines for basketball and white lines for volleyball. How long have you noticed does it take visiting teams, especially out of conference, to adjust? Because that's got to be a little bit of a of a of a. Th- it must throw people off a little bit when it's it's not bright. It's dark. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, a lot of coaches say they don't like coming to play here, but <laughs> I, I don't know if it's specifically because of the floor. 
Uh, our gym does get really loud because of the acoustics, and I, I think we have a great fan base. I think we have uh, the best fan base in, in our conference. So I, I think we have a big home court advantage because of the fans, the, the noise, and, and maybe the black court as well. It's, uh, it's probably a combination of all of it, but I do know a lot of coaches – comment they don't like playing here and they also hate watching film uh especially <laughs> when, when we're wearing black uh, on oh the black yeah i see how that is i haven't seen your uniforms to see if you're playing games with the numbers but i can see how the black on black makes it hard what do you think of the black court when it was first thought up and and, and now that you've had it oh i absolutely love it um it's uh i i actually had talked to our athletic director and president about it, and I showed him a picture of a court in London hmm. uh, that was black with gold lines. And it is an interesting story how this all happened. Um, they, they thought it was intriguing and everything, but obviously it costs money. But yes. I don't know if you saw the TV show The Dunk Kings. Um, I know what you're talking of, but I... There's a reality slam dunk contest that... that was on TNT during the Western Conference Finals. Yes. Um, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Brent Berry uh, were the were the judges. They actually filmed it in our gym. Um, oh. Obviously, TNT being in Atlanta, and so they filmed it in our gym. It was great. Our students were able to come watch it. It was really cool. Um, but putting all the wires and the tape and all that down, they, they scratched our court all up. So when they pulled everything up, our, our court was completely scratched up. Uh, and so TNT's insurance was going to have to pay for a brand new court anyway. Sure. And so at that point, uh, we just kind of decided, hey, if their insurance is paying for it, might as well do it. And, and we did it. And I think the the feedback that we've gotten is ninety eight percent positive. Um, <laughs> the two percent being the coaches. Uh yeah, the opposing <laughs> coaches. But 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 I love it, and you know my my big thing is I'm I'm catering to eighteen year old young men, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. they love it. So uh, you know nobody's coming to Oglethorpe just because we have a black court, but it does catch people's eyes and, and gets their attention a yeah. little bit initially, and I, I think it's a great thing. And, I'm I don't want to be unique just to be unique, sure. but I actually think it looks really good. I'm surprised uh, there's not a nice big thanks TNT on there somewhere. <laughs> it, maybe you'll add it later. Uh, we we are thankful, and 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 we we really enjoyed the three seasons we've had it now. Well, it's cool. Thanks for thanks for reminding us. I did. I was able to find the picture, which was great. It's a remind. I got to get down there and see it sometime uh, in person. Maybe we can get the NCAA tournament to come through there a little bit more often too. Yeah, uh, we'd love to have you down. We actually had Pat Coleman down about I know. 10 or 12 years ago, so we, yeah. we'd love to have you down. Yeah, I know. I, we, we were just talking about that trip a few, a few weeks ago, Pat and I. Uh, well, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate talking about the Storming Petrels, and uh, obviously a lot of games will still be played, but looking good so far. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. As always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, just the same thing everybody's probably saying is just a big thank you to you, uh, Pat, the websites, all, all the contributors to around the region and uh, all the writers. I mean, you guys do such a great service for, for Division Three hoops. To, to me, junior college, NAIA, Division Two doesn't have anything like this. So, so you guys... Division three is already special, but you guys make it even more special and make it even better. So just thank you for, for all you guys do. No problem, Coach. Thank you for coming on the show. It makes doing the job, the show a lot easier as well. Appreciate your time. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to touching base with you at, a, at a, some point down the road, as they say. 
All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Coach yep. Philip Ponder joining us from Oglethorpe. Team is uh, not too bad. Having a good season. Again, Hendricks and Rhodes at home on that black court, followed by uh, Suwannee Center and Barry on the road before conference tournament. They love to be hosting that tournament on that black court. All right, going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to stay in the Atlanta theme and talk to former Emory women's basketball coach Christy Thomas-Cuddy, talk about the reason she stepped down from the job, but really what door has opened up for her since. We'll also talk about the words from Danielle Donahue and others about what Christy provided to the WBCA is a benefit than, for more than just uh, herself. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this.